If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. So a huge welcome once again to my friend, Matt Landau, for part two of the Adventures of Travelling Matt Landau, um, his adventures <laughs> in Europe, the month in Europe. How lovely to have you back with me again. Well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. I like that um, that line. The What was it? The Traveling adventures of the the adventures of traveling Matt Landau. It's it's a <laughs> it's a steal from um oh well, it's not Muppets is it it's and I can't remember <laughs> which which it is I I I remember seeing this um this program years ago. Hold on a second. I'm I've got to I've got to check this one. Yeah, it was Fraggle Rock. Now I'm having complete silence from you because I don't think you, you <laughs> no. haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, right? No, I remember. I remember Fraggle Rock. Oh. But is this is this one um, like movie of theirs or something? Um, well, it was Uncle Traveling Matt, who was the brave. Oh, okay. fr- he was the brave Fraggle explorer. <laughs> I have been likened to a Fraggle in my life, so <laughs> makes sense. Well, there you are. So, so yes, when um, when when I heard that you'd done these travels, and it was like Traveling Matt. Oh, this is this is Traveling Matt Landau. Not quite. Old. I love it. Yeah, you 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 got to look uh, uh, travel Uncle Traveling Matt up on Google. So, <laughs> so there's some neat images on there. <laughs> How are you, Heather? I am wonderful. Thank you very much. A uh, little having having a little stress this morning with some power outages and some network issues and some issues with people being at cottages um, who are unhappy because the weather's bad. You know, this is. I'm sure this is universal, isn't it? It's if if the weather's bad when somebody's on vacation, it it has an impact uh, on every member of the group. It has an impact on the vacation in general. And if we don't get some sun back by the time they leave, it's going to have a huge impact on their memories. Isn't that right? Yeah. So so true. Even uh, when I'm traveling, I consider myself a pretty positive person. But even if I go to like the nicest place if the weather's terrible and I'm just kind of stuck indoors um I leave with just a a bit of a sour taste in my mouth yeah because that when you look back and remember you, you it's all the things that you missed doing that you'd planned to do but you couldn't because the weather stopped yeah. you from doing it and it's a yeah it's something I think every everybody who has a vacation rental or runs a property management company experiences at, at, at some time if you have a particularly when it's a period of bad weather you know from and we've had this in the past where the whole week we have people checking in on a Saturday and checking out the following Saturday and that whole week it has tipped down with rain and yeah there's just nothing you can do yeah my uh my father is in the um clothing industry and my mother always scolds him for listening to the weather channel so much and she says why do you keep listening to the weather channel he says the weather is my business because when it's cold out, he sells more blankets and sweaters. And when mm-hmm. it's warm out, he... so the weather, I guess, is our business too. Yeah, this is, this is true. And it's you know, something we have absolutely no control over. So how was, the, how was the weather on your trip? 
It was gorgeous. It was really nice the entire time. If anything, uh, a little warmer than um, like I think most people are comfortable with. But for me, coming from Panama, it was perfect, and it sort of hit a sweet spot um, in that it wasn't peak tourism season, so lines and general like tourist volume wasn't uh, was low. So in my opinion, it was a perfect combination, perfect time to visit Europe. Well, we in, in part one, we, we talked about your stays in um, Marbella. Barcelona. And Bar- yeah, and Barcelona. So you're, they're both in, in Spain. And now we're moving on to Italy, the Italy part of your trip. And yeah. so you, you went to different places. I mean, you, went, you visited a city, but you were also out in the country. So we're going to cover the the three other places you went to. And let's, uh, let's kick off with Rome. Yeah, so I put together these uh, essays, uh, one after each destination, just so that I wouldn't forget all the amazing things that happened. And I had actually never been to Rome. Have you, Heather? No, I haven't. I am touching down in Rome on my way to Florence in September. Oh, right, uh, but, right. Uh, now, are you going to get to stay for um, any time, or are you just passing through? No, I'll just be passing through. You know, airports, airports we, haven't, we have visited. <laughs> That's yeah, about, that's about it. But I would love to have to be able to spend some time there. Yeah, I mean, Rome was an interesting place for me. I had never been, but I also just had in my mind this idea that Rome is, you know, the Colosseum and people uh, lined up to see the Parthenon, people selling selfie sticks and, um, you know, tourist traps. And I suppose um, it really surprised me in that those things do exist, but Rome is also just this incredible city with all kinds of things to do. And and it was interesting from the vacation rental context because oftentimes we throw around this phrase, you know, we want to go to places and live like a local. But in some places you do want to see these incredible landmarks. You want to see um, these wonders of the world and you'd kind of be remiss not to be a tourist a little bit. And uh, when I arrived in Rome, I remember grabbing a taxi from the airport and heading to my vacation rental, and I realized very quickly that um, Italian, the, the language barrier, was going to be an issue. I hadn't thought about it ahead of time. It, I have a decent grasp on Spanish, uh, so that has kind of allowed me to get by in, in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries. But I was just rendered mute in that taxi with the driver. Like we <laughs> had a lot of trouble communicating. He taught me a couple of things. He taught me how to say no cheese and no eggs because I'm allergic to both those things. So that was, that was my like little introductory Italian class. Uh, and then we arrived at this neighborhood called Monti, which is a very central neighborhood. Um, the streets are kind of like jagged. Nothing is straight. Nothing is really perfectly um, aligned. It's kind of a little bit edgy. And that's kind of where I jump into the essay. This is kind of right when I'm arriving at the vacation rental. I've arrived, I've always believed that the entrance of a vacation rental can make a big impression. As a host, you want the guest to sort of be stunned with excitement, you know, for guests to get that little reaffirmation that yes, choosing this vacation rental was a brilliant decision. And as I approached the building, I began to get that feeling. The massive wooden door to the street began to open on hydraulics, leading into this arched 
parking area and the bright, bright courtyard. And as I go on to observe, this was the first sign that most of Rome is hidden behind facades. I then entered a restored elevator and arrived to the terrace suite, which may go down as the most limited edition vacation rental I have ever stayed in. It was owned by a professor of thermodynamics who worked for NASA, and the property was studded with artwork and pottery relics and smart-looking books that made me feel like a part of living history. Beyond the stunning property, of which there are many in the world, was Henrietta Kiss, of which there is only one. Henrietta is the Hungarian-born owner of Treasure Rome, a property management firm with a specialty in distinguished properties in Rome. Over the course of a welcome walking tour with gelato, chocolate, and lunch, in that order, I observed that Henrietta carries herself in a reserved way, but the longer you get to know her, you realize that just beneath the surface, all of these most incredible things are brewing. More specifically from Henrietta, I learned the power of connectivity and how being a great vacation rental host doesn't mean you're necessarily doing all the hard work. I love that. I just want to go back on on what you said about the entrance of a vacation rental, because when you were talking about um, going to Barcelona, you you actually specifically mentioned entering the property and the fact that you weren't met by the owner and uh, that that was something that at times you quite liked. So it's this is you know is is this a recurring theme? Is is it a, is it big for you that the way the entrance is presented really impacts on that first impression for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that last part, the first impressions in general, I think, in the world, outside of just business or vacation rentals are huge. You can never get back that first impression. And the entrance, both literally, the actual physical, you know, entryway and and, and visuals that they see, but also figuratively, kind of the, the greater entrance into your vacation rental experience, uh, especially if it's your first time trying out a vacation rental or your first time to a particular city, is um, huge. I mean, if you blow that, I think we've all had guests who arrive and maybe we didn't do as good a job on the, the entrance or the first impression as we could have. And it's almost like everything's like uphill from there, mm-hmm. you know, the people are tired after a long trip. Um, maybe you messed up a reservation. Maybe the keys don't work. Maybe the power's out. And, you know, it's just, it's, everyone's on edge. And starting off a vacation rental experience with that negative energy, just, it, it gets you off on the wrong foot. So I think putting extra effort into the entrance, both literally, making sure that um, the property is set up you know, that lights are turned on and air conditioning is turned on. And in the case of Henrietta's properties, fresh flowers and herself actually physically there. Uh, and also figuratively, just kind of like taking into account this whole welcoming slash first impression process. In the case of Henrietta, she walked us around the neighborhood for 20 minutes afterwards. Um, in the case of my vacation rentals here, we make sure that there's fresh um, fruit and cold beers and water. I think in general, you really want to pour a lot of time and focus into that first impression so that things get started properly, you know? You, you have mentioned it, that it touches on every sense. 
it's 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 touched on your visual sense you know walking in and there's lights on and and the way the property represents itself visually as you as you arrive you know clean front door it's simple a shiny doorknob that's simple um Audio. So audio is something that uh, that I use in in my properties. That when people walk in, there's music playing, and and you mentioned fresh fruit. So you're touching on the sense of taste. You mentioned flowers. You're touching on perhaps the sense of smell uh, as well as visually. So and and the kinesthetic part of it as well. You know that the touch, a shiny marble countertop, or a, you know, something that you can touch. Nice soft furnishings. That to me is you 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 grapple all that together. And and that create you know I'm I'm sitting actually honestly Matt I'm sitting here hugging myself now because I'm thinking about you know this this I uh, perhaps because I'm passionate about the first impression and and the fact that it needs to touch on every sense and it was great that in your description you have actually done that so going back to um to Henrietta you talked about the power of connectivity and how being a bait great vacation rental host doesn't mean you're necessarily doing on the work. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. Henrietta, um, uh, is an incredible woman and she maybe better than anyone on the trip manages to sort of curate a network of individuals, whether they're friends, uh, business owners, um, everywhere in between and make those contacts available to guests. And in that sense, like the only real work that's going into it is the presentation, the introduction, like Matt, I'd like you to meet, um, Luca and Alessandra, for instance, who are some of her good friends who are incredibly passionate about street art. And Luca and Alessandra invited me to a neighborhood called Pigneto, which is kind of the most up and coming artsy, uh, neighborhood outside of downtown Rome, who really just gave me an entirely new perspective on uh, Romans and art. Like when you think Rome and art, you think museums and statues, you know. But in this case, it was an entirely new texture that I had never been, I had never even imagined. Um, and in in hindsight, that was all sort of attributed to the vacation and rental business and Henrietta's um, connections. And in that sense, I think it's a big takeaway for me that if we can do a good job of facilitating introductions, whether it's to someone like Luca and Alessandra who love art, um, in, in the case of Rome, she also introduced me to someone named Cleo who calls herself a vac uh, an experience designer uh, no, a vacation designer, she calls herself, which really is just kind of like she curates incredible experiences for people. And Cleo is a friend of Henrietta. And Cleo introduced us to Claudio, who's like the most authoritative Vespa aficionado on the planet. And Claudio is the owner of a museum, a Vespa museum, as well as a company that does like really unique Vespa tours. And we jumped onto Vespas and we cruised through Rome and we had incredible espresso and chocolate covered hazelnuts. And oh my God, I'm just drooling thinking about it. We had this sandwich that was um, braised oxtail, which may sound a little weird, but it comes out just kind of like very moist 
um, shredded beef. And it was the, one of the best sandwiches I have ever had. And I was so full and we were wandering out. And then they said, there's one last course. And we wandered across the plaza to a place that served um, focaccia. That was the only thing that they sold. And I was so full, but I looked at this focaccia and I ended up eating like, <laughs> I have no idea where all this food went because it was just such remarkable culinary experience. Uh, but again, all attributed back to Henrietta simply introducing me to um, people who could then take the relationship from there. Well, what, and, this, what this makes me think of is, is the whole idea of Airbnb experiences. You know, they, they, they're sort of going this route and trying to organize um, the, the people across the world who can deliver this type of experience. But really, it comes down to, as you're saying, it's the, the owners or the property managers who know all these people, whether it's a, you know, in my area, it could be a fishing expert, somebody who will take people out on a fishing trip and have them cast, catch some bass and some muskie or whatever. Or maybe, you know, you're down on the Florida um, Atlantic coast and there's a, an expert in turtles who can tell you all about um, when the turtles lay eggs and when they, you know, the, the turtle life cycle. Um, or a beachcomber. You know, you're talking Rome and I'm sort of thinking, well, this is sort of high-end stuff. But it, it, it doesn't have to be at all, does it? It's just who you know could be the most interesting person your guest has ever met. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, you know, I think Airbnb experiences is really cool. It's a neat way to sort of package that which we have been, um, all that, that which we already do. Uh, but a lot of times the introduction doesn't even need to be a, a, a saleable biz, um, mm -hmm. commodity. Like this, then you don't need to be selling these contacts. In the case of um, Tulipanes here in Casco, we refer a ton of business to amazing folks around the neighborhood simply because we love those folks and we know they're going to provide a great service. And we believe it adds to the the sort of feeling of belonging of a guest. Um, so experiences are great, but don't um, lose sight of the fact that in the end, it's sort of introducing folks and relationships and connecting people that I think holds the real value. There, there was there was another specific um thing that uh, that that happened with you in oh, was it rome was it the um the silversmith this was one of my most memorable moments of the entire trip um like we were just saying i was introduced through uh, one of henrietta's contacts to a man named claudio franchi who is a second or third generation silversmith whose sort of thing is that he makes uh, fisherman ring for the Pope and uh, someone with that type of clout, obviously you expect them to be, uh, to have attitude and to be like, you know, um, sort of hard to get to. And I don't know that he is easy to get to, but I do know that when I met him, he was so warm and open and welcoming. And he kind of walked me around the neighborhood a little bit. And, um, we then wandered into his, uh, little shop. And it was just so remarkable. It was a small shop uh, in which four people were working. One of them was his brother, who he had been working with for, I'm guessing, decades. Um, and the other three were young students. He has a relationship with the local art college where he brings in interns who do stints in sort of these old, old world crafts. And 
these particular interns were working on a project that was using this new technology. I couldn't even tell you the name, but it was some sort of um, technique combined with some kind of material that produced a really unique looking final product uh, with Claudio's oversight. And it was a really cool, innovative space to begin with. And Claudio kind of showed us around and reminded us the, the power of doing things with your hand that we oftentimes lose sense of these days with all of this technology. And I said, um, I said, how long would it take you to make something? And he said, oh, I mean, and he just literally grabbed a handful of what appeared to be scraps, metal scraps, and began a process of firing and molding and like, it, it, it looked like magic in front of my eyes. And at the very end, no longer than like 10 minutes later, he produced this stunning, simple little ring. And I'm not someone who enjoys like jewelry too much. I've never worn jewelry, much less rings. But I have to confide that I desperately wanted that ring. <laughs> I wanted it so badly. Because you, it, it just had this incredible story behind it. And it's this guy, Claudio, with this amazing uh, reputation. And, and he just put it together. I mean, it, it took nothing. Um, and on our last evening in Rome, I invited all of the folks that I met during my stay, from Cleo, uh, the vacation designer, to Claudio, the silversmith, to Claudio number two, the Vespa enthusiast, to Alessandra and Luca, the street art specialists, to Henrietta, my host. And I invited them all over to dinner at my vacation rental. And that's where uh, Claudio, the silversmith, totally got me tearing up because he actually did um, gift me this ring with a beautiful little uh, drawing and a note uh, about taking a little piece of Rome with me. So that was a, a very moving moment. And it kind of leads me to the last little paragraph in the essay, which is worth sharing. Rome started off as simply a world famous landmark to me, but I'm leaving now with a much more nuanced and human understanding, specific faces and flavors and stories that will act like internal timestamps for me to reference at a later date. And this level of access to a destination is emerging to me as the new luxury in worldwide travel. It's something that people are willing to pay for, and something that people are willing to fight for, and ultimately challenge in the face of change. That a loving vacation rental mother of two made my Rome learning experience possible seemed fitting, but then again, isn't home always where the heart is? That is so lovely. Your mom would be proud of your essays. Yeah, I was channeling <laughs> my, my inner um, poet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounded, sounds like Rome was a fabulous experience. Um, and yeah, listening to you talking about that makes, you know, added to my bucket list. And, and I'm um, sure if you have time to stop through, um, I, I would be more than happy to introduce you to any of my new contacts there. I think that's kind of the beauty is that mm -hmm. these things kind of keep getting paid forward. Yeah, that is that is wonderful. So let's 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 move on as as you did. Where where next? Where, what came after Rome? 
So outside of Rome, about an hour, is um, this area called Guardea, and it's an area in Umbria, which is sort of world famous for a lot of things. And I had never been there either. And we jumped on a train and headed out into uh, the countryside. And an hour later, um, we met Deborah, um, who is an Inner Circle member as well. And she's originally from uh, California. And she moved to uh, Italy back when she was like in her 20s to study uh, architecture. And she met this guy and they started dating and it didn't really go anywhere. So like after six months, they broke up and kind of went their own ways. But 30 years later, in, in this is now after Deborah um, sort of was coming out of a marriage and she at this point had this incredible uh, countryside farm home that she was turning into a vacation rental. She bumped into this guy, Ruggiero, in the middle of nowhere. And they totally reconnected. And they have now been dating for like nine months. And they are so cute, these two. Like, you would just like smile being around them. They do all these little sort of loving gestures that like, uh, I remember they were like kissing each other through screened windows you know, and holding hands secretly under the dinner table. Uh, it was just kind of like an infectious sense of romanticism about them and about their vacation rental business. Um, and I've now been uh, practicing the name uh, like a hundred times, so hopefully I will get it right. It's called Casale Prato de Cochinele, which is basically the house of uh, the ladybug, which is Deborah's, <laughs> Deborah's thing. And oh my gosh, it is just so stunning. And are you going to be passing through that region, um, Heather? Uh, un unlikely on this trip, but uh, but since since I plan on going to Europe a lot now, I have a grand grandchild in in Europe. There, there's there's so much scope now for for future travel. So yes, Umbria one day. Okay, so I, I might as well share with you this little portion because um, I would have otherwise forgotten the details. Casale Prato del Cochinele is a five-bedroom stone farmhouse with a sprawling tapestry-like view of rural Umbria. There's not a spot on the property that doesn't provide a view of rich fruit trees, dormant volcanoes, or the Tevere River. My experience at the house was like a throwback to the Italy of old, but through the eyes of this visionary Californian homemade huckleberry jam and bubbling pots of espresso, laundry lines blowing in the wind, the clip-clop of horses on a, on a stone driveway outside my bedroom window in the morning. Deborah is also a mother to two amazing kids, so there's this innate sense of hospitality in everything that she does. In fact, when I was jogging one morning through the mountainside with Deborah's collie, Pepe, I passed several of her neighbors who shouted buongiorno out from their windows. And it was like I had assumed the role of Deborah's son for the week. This feeling that I kind of belonged to this village even though I had just arrived. Also outstanding is the way that Deborah thrives as a host both inside her vacation rental and out. Because she's lived in Guardia so long and she has this incredible network of high quality locals that interact with her guests, 
it creates a win-win between the Casale and the local community. Fabrizio, the cycling aficionado who took me for one of the most mind-blowing mountain bike rides through olive orchards and Etruscan tombs was of particular note. Mino, the local newspaper store owner who doubles as the town gossip editor-in-chief. Paola and Gianni, olive oil lovers who run a single-origin cold press operation. And Max, the Steven Spielberg lookalike Venezuelan with a scientific appreciation for music and sound. Each of these individuals gave me a new textured take on Guardia, veering way off the beaten path I'd read about in guidebooks and getting to know the place through its community roots. This process took me into family kitchens, cultural festivals, stories of love and loss, and everyday adversity that life seems to casually throw our way. There's a real theme that comes through all of, of your stays, and that is meeting, meeting with the locals. It's, uh, and, you know, not, not necessarily where the host introduces you, but, but going to places where, where the locals are welcoming um, visitors and, and travelers. You know, this, this is not probably going to be the same case if you have a villa in Orlando um, or, or, or one of those sprawling places on the Outer Banks. But as I, as I hear you talking about, and I, just like we were talking about the people you met in Rome, and you can start coming to, it starts coming to mind as an mm-hmm. owner, the people you could direct your guests to meet, just, just casual uh, introductions. Yeah, I, that was my big takeaway too, in that no matter where you happen to be located, chances are you love that destination because you were drawn to buy a vacation rental property there in the first place. Chances are you have good contacts because you've now been there you know, since you originally started visiting or since you purchased the property. And ultimately, most likely the type of traveler that is choosing a vacation rental over a hotel would really value that information. And it's what gives independent vacation rental owners and managers this huge competitive advantage over hotels and resorts that simply due to sheer volume can't afford to, you know, recommend the one guy who can give you an insider mountain bike tour. And I think that's just goes along with the theme that a lot of us are sitting on great assets to our business and to our marketing um, that with just a little bit of curation can make our businesses more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the challenges that Deborah's facing? with uh, with her vacation rental because uh, you mention in your essay that she's not from a business background. So she's trying to keep up with, you know, the, these changes that we're all facing. Um, how, how is she coping with that and what strategies is, is she using? Yeah, I'll, I'll um, prime this little portion of the essay by mentioning that n- not everything is rosy in this industry by any means. It's Um, got lots of upside and tons of potential and um, it's fun and it's uh, exciting, but there's also the very real challenges of running a small business. And um, we didn't want to overlook that 
And I think that's something that doesn't get nearly um, the attention on blogs and news sites as maybe it deserves, maybe because it's not so exciting to read about. But I think it's helpful to remember that we do all have these inherent challenges because none of us were trained to enter this industry. It's so new. It's changing so quickly that none of us really know what's coming next. Um, so the challenges in, in adopting and growing um, are sort of pervasive. They, they really sit at the core of every vacation rental business. Throughout the day trip to Orvieto, and then again during the several nights we spent cooking together in her rustic kitchen, I began to understand the very complex challenges that someone like Deborah faces in operating a successful vacation rental business. She's not from a business background. Deborah epitomizes a lot of owners and managers who are trying desperately to keep up with the increasing requirements of competition, learning websites and blogging and email marketing, only to whack a mole and have a new challenge pop up somewhere else. Bookings have been sparse for Deborah of late. She cited changes in the big listing site platforms and the negative press of nearby earthquakes as two big culprits. But it's also been tough finding reliable work for her too because her neighborhood is so isolated. And that means that pretty much everything from cleaning to maintenance, Deborah does herself. But her can-do attitude and the understanding that, you know, I may not be good at this stuff, but I'm sure gonna learn and give it my best shot that seems to keep Deborah's business afloat. Once a guest is on site at the Casale, Deborah offers a world-class product. And this is maybe what makes up for her lack of business acumen. This might be, at the end of the day, what makes the vacation rental industry so appealing to everyday entrepreneurs. Sounds like you you had some some good time spent with Deborah just talking through what these these challenges are and it's it's interesting that you know you, you say that bookings have been sparse but when people get there they've got the world-class experience and and this is something i i hear a lot and i know you do that that with all these changes and where bookings are dropping off people are saying but i've got this amazing product i just have to get people there to discover it mm -hmm. what are they to do um i think that's the million dollar question um, I think it's a good challenge to have because we know we have a great product. It would be a much more um, damning challenge if we didn't have a good product. Um, however, I think what are we to do is a combination of strategy, being more independent about our marketing and not relying so much on the listing sites, and also actual implementation of doing a good job of following up with guests once they depart, of staying in touch with them in the form of updates or uh, a personalized newsletter, or simply reaching out at some point during the year, giving them a heads up about, um, about availability coming up. I think a lot of us forget that the moment a guest leaves is kind of the moment our nurture marketing campaign should be starting. And in many cases, I'm the first one to be guilty of this, a lot of us drop the ball 
after the guest leaves, it's like, okay, I got the money, the transaction's over, now I gotta go find a new client. Whereas, if you begin sort of cultivating these fans, people who have stayed at your property, people who love you, people who you know, um, and it's not to say that they'll come back every year by any means. In fact, in some destinations, those people will never come back. It was a once in a lifetime trip. But that doesn't mean that the relationship or the communication should stop. And if over the course of two, five, 10 years, an independent owner is building up those relationships and keeping them going, you begin to build this sort of, sort of flywheel of momentum. And, and when that individual is at the, um, the water cooler at work two years later and someone says, hey, I'm going to Guardia they can reference the email that you most recently set about a new festival that's mm -hmm. coming up or an upgrade about the vacation rental. You stay front of mind. I think that's what people can do is just to be a little bit more proactive on keeping those relationships going, not in a salesy way, not in like, are you ready to book again? Are you ready to book again? But rather just kind of casual, informative, funny, interesting reminders of the great stay that they had. And when we do that, uh, we begin to build up our direct bookings. And as long as our direct bookings are increasing, proportionally speaking, year upon year, um, we don't have to worry as much about that original challenge of getting new people to stay there because the people who are coming to stay are primarily uh, either repeats or referrals. Yeah, good points. So having spent what sounds like a wonderful time in Guadea, you moved on to ah now I I was going to say I was going to say Le Marche Le Marche yeah Le Marche Le Marche Le Marche uh, tell us about that one um, because that's this this makes a fishing a, a fishing fishing fitting fitting finale to to this episode yeah the Le Marche um, was about two two hour, two and a half hours I think from Guardia and. Le Marque is an incredible region that I never would have known about if it were it not for Bob Gardner, an Inner Circle member, and Ian, his partner, uh, who are just two remarkable guys who have sort of decided to leave the, the corporate world in London and sort of follow their dream. And... They were both, I think um, Bob was working in HR and Ian was working in tech, um, but they just found that their salaries were like less than game changing. And they kind of invested in this old farmhouse in the rural countryside. Um, it's just outside a couple minutes from a 1000 person town called Francavilla or Francavilla. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. Um, and these guys just kind of got to work learning the challenges of construction <laughs> in rural Italy, which I'm guessing is dramatically different than their corporate lives in London. Um, and they began hosting travelers at Casal de Fiki, which is their, uh, vacation rental, uh, compound, I'd call it. And it just feels like something that they're kind of born to do. The, the paragraph of the essay that kind of um, sums up our first experience there is one deniable, undeniable advantage 
of vacation rentals over hotels is a host who can introduce you to his personal influential web of locals. Due to the large-scale nature of the hotel industry, introductions from hotel concierges are less personal and oftentimes more mechanical. So when Bob and Ian introduced me to the local truffle hunters, Christine and her boyfriend Daniele, it was done sort of with white gloves. Their beautiful little truffle dog named Spuma went scurrying into the hills and began sniffing and digging and unearthing tens of golf ball sized nuggets of truffles and what they call black gold. Hearing how the truffle industry has shifted over the last few decades was intriguing. Hearing how a gal from San Francisco met and fell in love with a farm boy from Colfiorito nuanced my appreciation for the day. It was not the type of experience nor the connection that could be possibly mass produced. Yeah, once again, you go into that uh, th- that whole experience of of meeting local people and hearing stories, and uh, of course, this you know this is not for every traveler. You know, I I, I really I'm, I'm sure you appreciate this as much as I do that that not every traveler wants to spend their time going out and meeting the locals, but having that opportunity to to go out. I'm, when when you said that meeting truffle hunters, like wow, that is so. That is so unusual. That's that's mm-hmm. such such a niche. Um, so so for a lot of people, that would that would be the sort of crowning glory of their vacation. What I I know you went on in this essay and talked about um, about soccer because this is a particular love of yours. So you know I'm going to give you yeah. free, free reign to to go on and talk soccer now. <laughs> oh man! So along those same lines, I think everyone has some sort of passion, and when you go on vacation and you put your passion sort of in the center of a piece of paper and begin investigating how you can encounter experiences about that passion, um, I think that's where vacation rental hosts can be most valuable because not everyone has the same passion. Um, And for me, like you mentioned, I am a huge soccer fan, and I've played soccer growing up all my life. And one of the most classic experiences of my whole trip was training with the local soccer team. And I first uh, was introduced to Paolo, who's the captain of the team. And Bob and Ian have really watched this guy grow up. They moved to this area, I think, 13 years ago. And they have literally seen Paolo go from a, a 15-year-old to you know the guy who runs the the local pizza box factory, which by the way is like the biggest pizza box factory in all of Italy or something incredible like that. And jumping into a local soccer game while you're on vacation is like cultural immersion on steroids. It's a total like assault on your comfort zone from the language barrier to of course the fear that you will play terribly and embarrass yourself to the general concern that you'll injure yourself and ah, I got to go to the hospital in a foreign country. Uh, but of course, once the actual game began, no matter where you are, the connective powers of sport begin to kick in. And my favorite part of my soccer practice was when uh, I was given this honorary shirt by Paolo and a little banner uh, for the, the Francavia soccer team. 
However, my least favorite part was when I nearly injured the ball boy. And this was actually a 70 year old man by firing a shot 45 degrees in the wrong direction. <laughs> and he, he like had to get out of the way and he almost fell over. Um, but after that soccer practice, we invited the soccer team up to the, the town plaza for beers. And it was just so special. You know, it's just not the type of normal experience that people would associate when going to Italy. And yet so accessible, so simple, free. Um, it was just incredibly memorable for me. The, the essay that kind of uh, ties that type of experience the essay bit that ties that type of insider experience together starts like this. Along the same lines of meeting locals like Paolo, a vacation rental host who knows a destination intimately is also able to provide insider tips that a traditional hotel concierge would very quickly exhaust. When I asked Bob and Ian about a beach suge suggestion for the day, they asked if I wanted the easy and lovely option or the challenging but stunning alternative. I chose the second and got to experience Scaletta, this jagged little coastal village unknown even to some of the most adventuresome locals in Le Marque. After a 25 minute hike down a canopied dirt path, we reached the fishermen's caves, small little villas carved into the cliff with simple electric and plumbing. You can kind of think of them like vintage beach homes, each fronted by its own serene space of the Adriatic Sea. I felt like I was on the set of a beach movie from the 50s, diving off cliffs, swimming through beds of mussels and clams, chatting with the sun-weathered old men hauling in the morning's catch. Oftentimes, owners and managers find themselves becoming slaves to their business, allowing the demands of the job to consume their lives and eventually leading to stress and exhaustion and burnout. And the following is not to suggest that Bob and Ian's success has not come with a great dose of hard work. In fact, that was another one of my big takeaways, how hard these guys work, whether it be gardening or maintenance, marketing, meeting guests. But throughout all of it, they have this honest sense of discipline regularly. Bob and Ian forced themselves to reference back why they got started in this business in the first place. They reserve two days a week for trips to the beach, accepting only guests that they know will be a perfect fit and supporting their community on a daily basis. These mechanisms seem to recalibrate Bob and Ian and their business, bringing everything they're working for back to center and staying true to themselves. I left Le Marque with a newfound appreciation for how the personality of a host can play a big role in a vacation rental business. And as huge advocates of the environment, Bob and Ian seem to do all the little things that when added up, begin to really make a difference on this planet. Things like solar panels for electricity, a flourishing garden of fruits and vegetables for welcomed for picking by guests. A private initiative that donates 10% of select restaurant bills to plant trees in Africa. These small gestures begin to rub off on you as a guest from the moment you arrive to the moment you're dreading to leave. If Bob and Ian can eliminate plastic from their bottled water consumption, I found myself thinking, then why can't I? It's almost like this small business 
was making me a better version of myself. And at the end of the day, I don't know that a vacation rental industry could aim for anything more noble. Yet again, a, a beautiful piece. And I, and I think, you know, certainly that last section on the um, environmental initiatives is, is a wonderful way to, to end this, um, this talk about your travels because this is something that every single vacation rental owner could pick up. If there's only one thing they took out of these, these two episodes and your travels, your, your, the stories of your travels, just that would be enough to, to really start making a difference. So, so thank you, Matt, for, for, for writing these fabulous essays. Are you going to publish them? Uh, I will at some point. I need to figure out how. And I certainly need to give thanks where it's due. And that goes to the hosts, these most incredible vacation rental professionals, Borja in Marbella, uh, Damien in Barcelona, Henrietta in Rome, Deborah in Guardia, Bob and Ian in Le Marque. My biggest takeaway from the whole trip is just that people are doing incredible things in this industry and they don't always know how incredible it is in the bigger picture. Um, but with that sort of sense of pioneer spirit um, comes, I think, a big responsibility. And that is to begin uh, sharing their best practices, to begin documenting what's working and what's not, to help folks who are entering the industry for the first time um, get started. And it's just incredibly inspiring to see all these folks who were, were never really um, told that they should do any of this, but that have really carved their own path and, and embraced everything that this industry has to offer. So I have to thank them and, and thank everybody that I met on the, on the trip. And when these essays are ready, um, who knows, maybe we can find a way to uh, allow people to connect with these folks too and, and reach out and begin implementing some of the, the best practices in their own businesses. That might be cool. Yes, indeed. And I will put links to all these, um, these hosts and their vacation homes uh, on both the episodes of, of the podcast where you've talked about your trip. So where next? <laughs> so I actually have a very exciting month coming up. Um, I will be going to Kauai to visit Linda Sylvester and Amy, Amy Grant of Great Vacation Retreats, Inner Circle members uh, who are doing incredible things uh, in Hawaii. I will then visit um, San Diego. I will then, from San Diego, head to Georgia and the Blue Ridge Mountains. And ultimately, I will wrap up this whirlwind vacation rental tour in Hilton Head, South Carolina, where I actually used to go um, with my family for the summers. Uh, we'll be staying at vacation rentals at all of these uh, iconic destinations and just kind of continuing mm -hmm. this investigation, this deep dive into how the best professional owners and managers around the world um, do their thing. So I'm very excited. And of course, we'll, we'll then be revisiting those in the Adventures of Traveling Matt Lando, parts three and four, I'm quite sure. <laughs> I think I'm locked in now with the title like that. 
<laughs> well, I'm so glad you're doing another trip, and and no doubt there'll be another one coming after that. This is a, you know, it it's it's just a a a, a great um, uh, yeah. Well, I, well, I love to hear all these uh, these these essays and and your experiences, and I think that uh, that what you're sharing is immensely valuable for other owners worldwide. So thank you once again, Matt. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to to talk to you and and. People just love to hear these stories. Uh, it's my absolute honor. And thank you, Heather, for doing all that you do. Well, we shall talk again soon. Thanks, Matt. Ciao. Well, there's not much more I can say about that. What a great travelogue. Um, and not only just a travelogue, but some really fantastic nuggets of information about how these specific vacation rental owners are managing their properties, how they are exuding hospitality to the degree that they can change the lives of their visitors. Now, I do know that this is this is not it's it's not easy for everybody to do this, you know. And while I'm talking to Matt, I'm thinking about you know how can I do this for for my guests in my property management company that is so um, diversely located or disparately located right the way across southern Ontario. But there are lots of things that that I've thought about that I will start to share with my owners and and see what we can come up with over the course of of this winter to to deliver a better experience or a more varied experience, at least, for our guests. So I'd love to hear what, what you do. What is it that you do that makes, that, that, is, that could be life-changing for your guests? And it doesn't have to be anything enormous. It doesn't have to be massive. It, it, it may be, as these hosts were doing, just a very casual introduction to somebody local who can share some of their life experiences and uh, local experiences with your guests. So would love to hear that. Go over to the show notes. Let me have any comments um, that, that you have, any questions you have for Matt, and actually any questions that you may have for any of the hosts, because all these hosts are members of Matt's Inner Circle. I'll be letting them know that this uh, this podcast is out there. And if you have a question for any specific one of these hosts, please put those questions in the show notes and I'll let them know so they can come along and answer them. So once again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to to be with you. And, and I, for one, will definitely look forward to Matt's next trip and the further adventures of Travelling Matt. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.